Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. And become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Today's episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get the best rest one night at a time. Listeners get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com forward slash told and using the word told at checkout to let them know that Otis sent you. Once again, enter told, T-O-L-D, at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. In honor of tonight's sponsor, we've made a bed of our own with a collection of four terrifying tales that might just leave you in a desperate need of the shut-eye they can help provide. I'll be back after tonight's first story to tell you a little more about Casper. Until then, stay tuned. The show is about to begin. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. (laughs) Who needs sleep anyway? Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 15. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. In tonight's episode, in honor of today's sponsor, Casper, I'll be performing four stories for you about the dark side of slumber 
with tales about noisy nightmares, hidden horrors, watchful wraiths, and descents into darkness. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which includes the first two stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscurrypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. And thank you for your support. It's time to get started, so lock your doors. Turn the lights down low and settle in. The show is about to begin. Our first tale of terror this evening, from author Ryan Haddon, is entitled Creek. When I was around seven years old, my family moved to a new house in the suburbs. I was originally against the idea, but I couldn't resist the prospect of my own room, so I eventually agreed. The drive to the new state was long and uneventful. Even when we arrived, we were forced to stay in a hotel while the final details of the purchase went through. So when we finally set foot in the house, I was overcome with a sense of adventure. I raced down the stairs and ogled every nook and cranny before finally selecting my room. It was located in the basement at the end of the hall. As far as bedrooms go, it was certainly large, not as big as a master bedroom, mind you, but big nonetheless. It was largely featureless apart from a pretty standard closet, with a sliding door on the east end of the room and a window on the west side that barely let any light through. I ran upstairs and told my parents which room I wanted, and pulled them to see it. It was adjacent to the room my brother chose, and they had no qualms about my selection. Within a few days, we had the room fully furnished with a play table, most of my toys, and a peculiar-looking metal-framed bunk bed. It was a kid's bed with only a top bunk, the foot of which faced the closet. Every time someone leaned on or climbed the ladder, it squeaked violently. I wasn't happy with it at first, but my parents told me that my original bed had been lost during the move, so for the time being I really didn't have an alternative. I begrudgingly accept their explanation, as I went off with my brother to meet some of the kids in the neighborhood, all thoughts of that creaky bed leaving my mind in the bliss of playtime. That night, it was a hassle for my parents to deal with, by the time I was in my PJs and had my teeth brushed, I pushed my mom to her breaking point. I hadn't wanted to let the night end, though, so after my mother tucked me in, I waited a few minutes and, as carefully as possible, crept slowly down the ladder, so as to avoid the loud creaking noise that would for sure give me away to my frustrated parents. I tiptoed down to my door and poked my head out into the hallway. I had an excuse ready in the event my mother had been waiting, but she wasn't there. I crept down the hall and into the family room. Flicking on the lights, I made sure to mute the TV and turned on the console. I played games until I was almost too tired to stand. I sleepily flipped off the lights as I started back down the hallway. I was about two feet from my door when I heard a violent creaking sound coming from inside of my room. I froze in my tracks. My hand, clenched on the doorknob, 
my knuckles white. I listened closer and heard the rustle of something climbing up my ladder and flopping itself onto my bed, causing another violent creak. Cautiously, I opened the door, imagining that maybe it was my mother checking to see if I had gone to sleep. But when I swung the door open, there was nothing. The bed stood empty. Mom, I said quietly. Mom? What, Ryan? The sound of her voice at the other end of the hall nearly made me jump out of my skin. I wonder if she mistook the scared look on my face as panic at being discovered, for she wore an angry expression on hers. Go to bed, Ryan, she said sternly. I tried to find words to explain that I had heard someone in my room, but it came out as a mad jumble, and when I saw the frustrated look on her face, I just nodded and stepped cautiously into my room. I'd cast one more glance up at my bed before I climbed up the ladder, interrupting the silence of the otherwise quiet house with its incessant creaking. I lay down on my bed and looked around my room. Good night, Brian, said my mom, appearing in my doorway, before flipping a nearby switch and plunging the room into total darkness. No sooner had she turned off the lights than a deep feeling of unease danced its way up my spine. I tensed my muscles, half expecting to hear something climb its way up my ladder and snatch me away to some dark corner. But nothing did, and despite the unease that was rooted within me, I finally slipped into sleep. I woke up only a half hour later to the sound of something hitting the ground. I sat up slowly. Trying to adjust my eyes to the blackness, I peered down my ladder. There was nothing there. I was about to go back to sleep when I heard a thud coming from below. I held my breath and stared at the foot of my bed. In utter horror, I watched as fingers curled around one of my stuffed animals just beside my feet and dragged it off my bed. I pulled my legs close to me as the fingers came up again, followed by an arm, a very long arm. I hooked my legs against me as it paddled and prodded the mattress, groping for something, or I gulped someone. The thought brought tears to my eyes. After what seemed like an eternity, it finally receded back through the slits in the railing. I was too scared to move or even to speak. I just sat there curled up in a ball until I passed out from sheer exhaustion. That night, I was tormented by nightmares of strange men giving chase and of shapeless forms pulling me into the void. The morning couldn't have come soon enough. I went through the day and told myself that it was just another nightmare, that there was nothing in my room. Slowly but surely, I lulled myself into a false sense of security. I stepped back into my room that night, confident that it was just a figment of my tired mind. Just before I drifted off to sleep, however, a thought crossed my mind. I sat up and counted the stuffed animals at the base of my bed. One, two, I paused, three, 
No, I thought. That can't be right. I counted again. One, two, three. Two of them were gone. Terror began to creep in, but I told myself more lies. I kicked them off of me. I rationalized, or they fell when I pulled my legs up. I repeated these in my mind until, at last, I fell into a restless sleep. I woke in nearly total darkness. The only light emanated from the bathroom at the other side of the hall, and that barely hit the lip of my door. I cast a weary glance at the foot of my bed where three stuffed animals dutifully stared back. I sighed, flopping down on the mattress, sending a creaking noise reverberating throughout the dark room. I paused to make sure that the sound hadn't woken my brother. Holding my breath for a few moments, I strained my ears. Then I heard it. A slow, shuffling noise, coming from the end of the hallway. It took me a few moments to realize that it was coming towards my room. I froze. Maybe it would go away if I sat still and silent. As if, in response to my wishful thinking, it started moving faster, closing the gap between the two ends of the hallway with increasing speed. I slid down my ladder and practically threw myself into the closet. I didn't have time to close the door, so I just held my breath and waited. I heard the shuffling figure breach the door of my room and pause for a moment. Still, I waited, praying that it would go away. Instead, I heard it move in my direction. The shuffling of feet paused just inches away from me. Then, I heard the telltale creak of something jostling my bed. I heard the slithering sound of an arm sweeping across my mattress, likely looking for me, and the soft fluttering of blankets being pulled aside. Then I heard another creak, and the shuffling noise moving about my room, turning things over. It was looking for me. I was praying that it wouldn't look in the closet when something on the other end of the closet caught my eye. Opposite me were the two missing stuffed animals, their button eyes gazing at me. In a blind panic, I threw open the closet door and raced down the hallway. I dared not look behind me for fear that it might slow my sprint. I burst into the family room and clambered up the stairs, hurling myself up the landing just as a hand grabbed for my ankle. Breathing hard, I threw myself into the arms of my parents. They asked what was wrong but all that escaped from my mouth was the word intruder. My dad grabbed his gun and a flashlight and raced down the stairs. He returned a few minutes later with my brother and sister, both of them with panicked looks on their face, and together we raced to the neighbor's house. Once there, my dad told them that there was an intruder in ours. They graciously let us in and allowed us to use their phone. My father called the police. Minutes later, the street was bathed in a red-blue glow of police sirens. Men in blue uniforms came in and scoured the house, but told my father that they could not find anything. As a matter of fact, with the exception of my room being in a state of disarray, nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary. All of the windows remained locked, and there was no signs of forced entry. My dad thanked the officers, and they told him to call them if he saw anything else unusual. We walked back to the house in silence. 
No one uttered a word. When I was finally able to sleep in that bed again, it was with the help of sleep aids, and with the exception of horrible nightmares, nothing happened for a while. I really began to believe that it was all just a bad dream. That is, until one night, when I woke abruptly and close to total darkness. Once again, the only light coming into my room was from the bathroom. It took my eyes a bit to adjust to the darkness, but once they did, my blood ran cold. There was a seemingly disembodied shadow in the bathroom. I looked on in abject terror. As if in recognition of my fear, it slipped into the darkness of the hallway, the bathroom door slamming shut behind it and cutting off any remaining trace of light. I could no longer see where it was or where it had gone. I panicked, my eyes flitting about the room looking for any sign of the shadow or the thing casting it. I didn't have to look for long, however. In just a few moments, I heard the abrupt creak that signified something climbing up my ladder. With tears streaming down my face, I screamed out my brother's name, but he didn't answer. I heard clasping sounds as if it moved up my ladder. I pulled myself to the other end of the bed, ready to leap down to the floor if need be. But before I could, I heard another creak. This one coming from the foot of my bed. I pulled myself to the center of my bed and screamed out for help as I heard the unseen hands clasp the final rung of my ladder and the rustling of the long arm begin. They found my mangled body in the closet the next morning and rushed me to a nearby hospital where I was put on life support. I was lucky to be alive. I was unconscious during the first two days in the hospital and woke on the third morning. There were flowers in my bedroom, likely from my parents, but nothing else. No one in the neighborhood really knew who I was at the time, so that came as no surprise. The hospital called my parents and notified them that I was awake, and they and my siblings rushed to my side. Before long, I was visited by two police officers and a woman in a brown suit, who I now realize was a child psychologist. I recognized one of the policemen as the one who had told us that the house was all clear the night of the first incident. Ken, he began, taking a deep breath, can you tell us who did this to you? I nodded and replied faintly. It was the monsters. I squeezed my eyes shut as if expecting my assailants to appear before me. I heard the officer kneel down beside my bed. Can you describe these monsters? He asked. I nodded again, my eyes still shut tight feeling of fear sweeping over me. One of them had a long arm that it used to pull my stuffed animals off the bed. The other one was like a shadow. I couldn't see it, but I could hear it. The officer remained silent for a while, then excused himself with a thank you, saying a few words to the psychologist on his way out of the room. I was tired and in pain, so I closed my eyes and drifted off to sleep. When I woke, the sun was up. I turned to my alarm clock, which read 9 a.m. I breathed a sigh of relief. Just as I lay my head down on my pillow, though, I heard a sound that immediately brought me to tears. A loud, violent 
creaking noise coming from the opposite side of the curtain that separated me from another patient. I closed my eyes and was holding them shut tightly when I heard the familiar rustle of an arm groping at sheets. Then I heard what began as a frantic beeping noise. Then it morphed into a single, drawn-out tone. I'd seen enough movies to know what a heart monitor sounded like, and that my neighbor was dying. I started audibly sobbing at this point, at which point the creaking noise moved slowly towards me, just as an unusually lengthy, inhuman arm parted the curtains, the door slammed open. As doctors and nurses rushed in, the arm vanished, this time for good. Following my discharge, I returned home, and my parents promptly moved me to the upstairs bedroom and got me a new bed. Many years have since passed, and nothing unusual has happened in all this time. Yet to this day... I'm mortified whenever I hear something creaking. For those of you out there listening, I'd like to offer some advice. If your bed starts creaking, do yourself a favor. Get a new one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I hope you enjoyed Creek by Ryan Haddon, which was written especially for tonight's show, just for all of you, in honor of this episode's sponsor, Casper. And thank you so much, Ryan, for your wonderful contribution and Casper for the inspiration. Now, tonight's sponsor may specialize in helping you sleep better, but up next... We've got a terrifying tale from author Jimmy V that will definitely have the opposite effect. Before I tell you Jimmy V's tale of the sinister and the unseen, however, I'd like to tell you a bit more about Casper, the brand that's confident they can get you a good night's sleep, in spite of my efforts here tonight. Now look, you spend one-third of your life sleeping, or at least we try to. You might as well get the best rest you can and be the most comfortable possible. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google, Casper is becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. Casper also offers a wide array of other products like pillows and sheets to ensure an overall better sleep experience. They deliver right to your door in a small, how-do-they-do-that, sized box. 
And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. And here's the best part. Affordable pricing. Because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. So at this point, you're probably thinking, Otis, how do you know all this is true? Well, our very own producer and creator of this show, Craig Roshik, he's owned a Casper brand mattress for the past three years, and he personally recommends them. And remember, this is coming from a guy who lives and breathes scary stories all year round. If Casper can help him get a good night's rest, it can help anybody. <laughs> Craig told me that even after all this time, his bed still looks and feels brand new. Not only that, but he realized that after getting the Casper, that his morning back pain was totally gone for the first time in years. He credited Casper with not just helping him get a better night's sleep, but with improving his mood and productivity. Ed says he'll never buy a mattress from anyone else ever again. As a reminder, as a listener of this program, you'll get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com forward slash told and using the word told at checkout. Once more, that's told, spelled T-O-L-D, at checkout. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks for your support of this show and this episode's sponsor. Now, further ado, we got another insomnia-inducing tale for you. So double-check your doors and windows, and of course, don't forget to check under your bed. You just never know what's beneath lying in wait. <laughs> Our second story this evening is entitled Crepitus by author Jimmy V. The hangers are still swinging in my wardrobe, and all my clothes are scattered around my room. I stood in the doorway trying to make sense of the situation. What the hell's been in here? There's no sign of forced entry. The door was locked when I came home. Exactly how I left it. I live alone and I don't have any pets. Moreover, the hangers are moving as if my clothes had been ripped off them just a few minutes ago. I walk into the room, perplexed and annoyed. I search under the bed. Nothing. Inside the wardrobe. Again, nothing. Under my computer desk. There's no one here. I walk to the window. It's closed. I look out, and I can see my driveway below, but I can't see anyone there. Whoever this prankster is, they're gone. I don't know how they got out, but they aren't here now. The clothes are back in my wardrobe. I looked through every room, but I didn't find anything, which I guess is good. But I don't know how they got in or out, and that's what's bothering me. That's why I'm lying awake in my bed at 3 or 5 in the morning, my brain worrying. I don't scare easily. It's more that I'm angry, because I have no idea how they got in here, let alone why they thought it would be funny to just throw my clothes around like that. At least a robbery is straightforward. It's not hard to understand why someone would break into a house and steal a TV or whatever. But this is different. It's like a bunch of kids got overexcited and started chucking clothes at each other or something. I roll over and something cracks loudly, probably my back. The changing seasons must be affecting me more this year. Maybe I'm getting old. 
I wake for work as usual, get dressed in my nicely creased clothes, and head out. I'm in the driveway with my keys in my hand, my mind still buzzing from yesterday's weirdness, when I feel a weird tingle in the back of my neck. I turn and look up. There, stood in my window, looking down at me, is a naked man. Well, I say man. It could just as easily be a woman. I, I can't see any genitals. It just stood there, looking down at me, naked and bald, his skin a faded yellow color. It's weird. It looks too tight almost, and I can see every one of its ribs and every bone in its thin, skinny frame. The face is gaunt like a skeleton with hollow cheeks and eyes that are sunken into black sockets. As I stand bewildered, staring up at the thing in my bedroom, it lifts its bony hand in a wave. But it's not right. They must have arthritis or something because the hand is moving in quick, stiff jerks, like the joints are seized. No, that, that's not right. It's more like they're broken. The wrist is bent at an impossible angle, and it seems to snap from side to side. Two waves, then it drops its hand down in that jerky way, turns and walks back into my room, moving like a man would on broken legs. I stand for a moment longer, then turn and run back to the house. So this is the Joker, the one who decided to throw my clothes around yesterday. They didn't leave. They were still in the house somewhere. Must have got past me when I opened the bedroom door. I run upstairs, the bedroom door is shut, and I bang it open only to find my room empty, with everything just as I left it. I search again, but more thoroughly. There's nothing. Nothing under my bed, desk, drawers, nothing in my wardrobe. The room is empty. They must be in another room. I look into every room, searching as thoroughly as a police drug dog, every nook and cranny, and still no sign of the intruder. Did they get past me again? Another quick search of my room. I'm sweating like a pig, and now I'm late for work. They must have got past me and left. I search everywhere. No way they're still in my house. The old creep probably escaped from a nursing home, all confused, maybe even with dementia. Could be why they messed about with my clothes like that. Weird old freak. I run out to my car, panting and stressed. I look up at my window. No one there. Good. Maybe they got the hint that I wasn't messing around. Work is normal, same old boring crap, and when I get home, all my clothes are undisturbed, still in the wardrobe where they should be. I sleep well, my joints are still cracking, whenever I change position, but I sleep sound, in the knowledge that the intruder is gone. The mystery of the moving clothes is solved. Well, I still don't know how they got in or out, but whatever. They aren't here now, and that's what matters. The morning starts off same as before. No creased clothes this time, though. I look sharp. I treat myself to a hearty breakfast and lock up and get in my car. The engine's running and I'm just about to pull off when I glance up at my bedroom and see it. Stood in my window just like yesterday. It grins at me. And its grin spreads across its face in the same convulsive way that its arm moved. 
as if it was being manipulated by some manic puppeteer. Its lips crack as it smiles wider, like a mannequin with a frozen expression gone horribly wrong. I stare back and feel a rage bubble up inside me. The thing is grinning at me, like an obnoxious child. I rip my keys out of the ignition and storm into the house, locking the door behind me. They aren't going to get out this time. I tear my house apart, pulling all the furniture away from the walls, swearing under my breath as I go. I move everything out of place, leaving nothing untouched, one room after the other, starting with my bedroom. Somewhere amidst the swearing and searching, I call work, tell them I'm ill and won't be in today. Chest infection, which is pretty convincing, since I'm panting so hard between words. I put the phone down and continue with the hunt. I search all day. Nothing. No one. Zip. No sign of anyone ever being there. But they were here. I sleep restlessly, nightmares of figures standing over me, creeping out of the walls and floors. I must have been fidgeting because one of my bones cracks so loudly it wakes me up. It's morning and I feel awful. I get up, but I don't get dressed. I just put my dressing gown on and sit at the kitchen table, running the last few days' events through my mind. Then a thought occurs to me. I go to the front door and open it, but I don't step through. I pause a moment and slam it shut. And that's when I hear movement upstairs. I listen as abrupt, spasmodic footsteps move around my room. But it's not just footsteps. There's a strange shuffling sound, like something moving unsteadily on both feet and hands. And then the noise stops. I sneak out of the kitchen and up the stairs, breathing shakily. They're here. They were here all along, in my bedroom. I approach the closed bedroom door, take a breath, ready to confront the sneaky bastard. My hands grip the round handle. I turn it. But just as the door begins to open, I hear sudden loud thumps and snaps. Someone running on broken bones, and the door jams only slightly ajar. I look up, and in the small opening I see half of a face staring at me. I was wrong. No human looks like this. His face is tilted forward into a frown as it regards me. My gaze is stuck, locked onto the eye looking back. The eye is in a large black socket, with a dark red and yellow iris and tiny black pupil, filled with such intensity and cunning I've never seen before. The eye narrows as if giving acknowledgement of my sneaky trick. I can't move. Then the creature's eye widens, its black mouth opening to an impossible gape as it lets out a scream that deepens to a deafening roar. The door slams shut against me so hard I'm knocked off my feet and down the corridor. I lie on my back, staring at the door. My breath comes in short, sharp gasps, and I can feel sweat dripping off my body. I lie there for a while before I scramble to my feet and stumble downstairs like a drunk. I call the police hurriedly, and then I go outside to wait for them, careful not to go onto my driveway. I don't want to look at that thing ever again. I want it out. The police arrive within minutes. I splutter confusedly at them, holding back tears. My story is incoherent. I'm clearly in shock. 
but they get the gist. Three officers search the house, one of them with a dog, uh, while another female officer makes a cup of tea for me and takes a statement from me. The tea helps. I tell her everything that's happened, starting with my clothes being moved, ending with my cell phone call. She nods attentively and takes notes, and I feel much better now that they're here. They know what they're doing. The police search for two hours but find nothing. They suggest that maybe I missed something, some hidden corner that I hadn't looked in. But their presence would almost certainly have scared anyone off. And there definitely isn't anyone else in the house. I start to feel stupid, and all thoughts of creatures and strange beings dissolve in my mind as I return to my senses. I was just an old man, scared and confused. I thank the officers, apologizing profusely for wasting their time. They leave, and I sigh, annoyed at myself for getting so, so carried away. I get dressed and decide to do some gardening. I look up at my window in the bedroom often. Nothing there. The police would have found whoever it was if they were still there. They're professionals, after all, whereas I'm just an amateur. Still, when it comes to going to bed, I find myself doubtful. I tell myself it's just because it's dark and I've had a rough day that I'm being stupid. There's nothing in my room. But still, a niggling feeling remains as if I'm not alone. I decide to take my mattress downstairs and sleep in the kitchen. I feel better. So, here I lie on my mattress next to the oven. I can't hear anything moving upstairs, but to be honest, I'm trying not to think about it. Something about those snapping sounds and the way the footsteps move so spasmodically freaks me out. And that eye, that staring, hateful eye, I don't want to think about that. I fidget, and again I hear a crack from one of my knees. Or maybe it was my back. I, I, I don't really know. Was my mattress always this uncomfortable? I never noticed before, but it feels like some of the springs are warped. I can feel bumps pressing into me. I roll onto my side with my head under my pillow, and my ear pressed against the mattress. As I move, I hear another snap and it feels like something gives way underneath me, slightly. A broken spring? But it didn't feel like that. It felt hard and rigid, and it went suddenly, as if it was seizing. Thanks for joining me tonight for Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you like what you heard and would like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's episode, which includes two more terrifying tales, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, where you can sign up for a season pass and get access to all 24 ad-free extended episodes from this season, or sign up as a patron for just $5 per month and get access to not just my show, but our network's audio archive of hundreds of previous releases, including premium versions of our other shows, such as the Simply Scary Podcast and Horror Hill. Not only that, but you'll be lending your support to this very program and help me continue bringing nightmares to life each and every week. Thank you very much for your support. 
Thanks again for today's sponsor, Casper, for their support of this show. And don't forget, as a listener of this program, you'll get $50 towards select mattresses. Just visit casper.com forward slash told and use the word told at checkout to tell the modus gyre sent you. Once more, that's told, spelled T-O-L-D, at checkout, and terms and conditions do apply. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jiry channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. 
Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.